Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. Safety pin that patch on. It's time for... I never saw that. This week, we have a special treat. Our very first guest is joining us. Uh, And this is episode 10, so I think that's also kind of special. Uh, Our guest is our very dear friend, Eric. Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Pretty good. We Um, went to college with Eric, and I really want to talk about the first time I met Eric, because it's very appropriate. Okay. We're going to be listening to an album that Eric recommended, and it was very important We're actually going to be talking about it. We already listened to it. Yes. Sorry. And you all (laughs) should have listened to it, too. If not, pause this, as we say every time, go listen to the whole album, and then come back. So Eric and I met because we were both college freshmen, and you go to all these meetings about clubs you want to join and stuff, and the radio station had a little meeting, and I saw this kid in front of me with a rancid shirt on, and it was torn and falling off of his body because it was rotting around him. Um, it was I could tell it was like a favorite shirt, and I saw this kid, and I thought, oh, I should talk to him and he should do a punk show. That'd be great. And we walked across campus and talked about it after. And he ended up doing a punk show. And that's our friend Eric. Um, Yeah. And we were all DJs at the radio station, which I also think is kind of appropriate for this. Yes. So we're listening to And Out Come the Wolves by Rancid. Came out in 1995. Yes. August 22nd, 1995. And Eric, I think you remember that day very well. Sweet Jesus, I do. Yeah, so I was uh, um, living in the suburbs of outside of Seattle, and my grandparents, my mom's uh, parents, were on vacation, and I was house-sitting for them and making sure their plants got watered and stuff, and I distinctly remember going over to their house to make sure nothing had died and uh, stopping at Tower Records on the way and buying <laughs> um, Rancid and Outcome the Wolves because it had come out that day. And I had a very big problem with waiting for something that I really, really, really wanted. (laughs) So it was coming out that day. I didn't have a CD player in my car. My grandparents didn't have a CD player at their house. But I bought that record. I drove to their house. I watered their plants. And then I sat in their living room with uh, no lights on, the TV off, just reading all the lyrics. And all oh. the liner notes, <laughs> thinking, oh, this is going to be the best album ever. And rather than like going home and listening to it, it was like, you know what I just got to do right now? I just got to read this son of a bitch. And I did. <laughs> oh, man. And That's then amazing. I quickly, quickly forgot every word. I don't think I've looked at the liner notes since until <laughs> uh, we were deciding to do this. Because uh. um, I know every single sound in that record, but only like half the words. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we, yeah. The, a lot of their words are just basically sounds. I guess you could say that about any words, but uh, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know how to articulate what I'm trying to say. Um, Eric, 
you chose this album as something that was really important to you that you wanted to share with me that I missed. So why did you pick this piece of pop culture? When I was uh, growing up, I had really shitty taste in music, mostly because, <laughs> and who knows, maybe uh, Rancid Out Come the Wolves will uh, uh, be that for some people too. But I uh, was raised by a family that um, on road trips would listen to the Eagles and some um, yes. cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just one of those things where I would go to the county fair and watch the Oak Ridge boys and, uh, uh Alabama was a big, uh, fixture Ooh. of, um, what uh, my family would play on the, uh, the old stereo. So uh, I didn't really, I didn't have an older brother or sister or anyone to kind of teach me that music could be good. So I kind of <laughs> started slowly teaching myself. And unfortunately that meant I listened to some poison and, uh, yes. some M- MC Hammer. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay, man. Look, you can't just dog all these people. You that I uh, I was slow in kind of figuring out what uh, kind of music I actually loved. And I distinctly remember, um, just as distinctly as where I read the liner notes of the Rancid album, um, I remember where I first heard of Rancid um, because it was on the TV. Um, I think you guys know that, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 90s, uh, a way a lot of people um, learned about records and songs was watching this station called FX that was launched in 1994, because that's totally how I learned about Rancid. <laughs> what was, I thought you were going to say MTV, man. I gotcha. There was a show called uh, <laughs> Sound Effects on, uh, on FX that was like there really? four people hanging out in a loft and having really uh, weird bands come by and like talking about Whoa. music. And Wait, so they, sorry, they yeah, had they Rancid on the, on the show? Uh-huh. And they, no, they didn't have them on the show, but they would have record oh. recommendations. So it was like they'd okay. have random ass stuff where they'd show a video or something and say, hey, this, here's a record I like. And there were four people on it. There was just, it was Karen Bryant, who now does like CNN stuff. It was Orlando Jones, the guy from 7 Oh, wow. Commercial. Up, dude. And, uh, uh-huh. and it was uh, this guy named Matthew Ostrom. And that's the guy that uh, was what recommended the Rancid album. And then I don't know if you've heard of this other guy, but it's this uh, guy called uh, Jeff Probst, who, um, you know, uh, is the Survivor host. <laughs> he was on this oh, show my God. That, taught me, that taught me about music. So, yeah, so I that was is... uh, uh, just sitting around one night watching this crappy TV show in uh, 1994, and they were talking about Let's Go by Rancid. And they showed the wow. video, and it was like, what in holy hell is this? And I went out and bought it, and then uh, it became my favorite thing in the it. whole world. And that Perfect. was it. And they also recommended uh, Pennywise um, on that show, um, mm-hmm. the record About Time, bought that too. And that's kind of how the spiral happened. Is back in those days, it was you read the liner notes, you see who that band thanks or what label they're on, you buy all yeah. the records on that label or everyone they've heard of. And that was that how is... Punk Rock Eric started. That is. And so it was... That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah it was like uh it took and so a year after that was when outcome the wolves hit and that was the thing i was probably most ready for in the whole world this album is weird for me because i rancid was always kind of a weird band for me i don't know why i did have older brothers and an older sister but they weren't into punk rock so much one of my brothers was he listened to like he introduced me to the sex pistols and the ramones and that that school of older punk rock but I remember a friend handing me a tape. He was on the cross-country team with me. 
and I on one side of this tape, he made me a tape. Um, Green Day's Kerplunk album was on one side, and Op Ivy was on the other side. And I fucking loved Op Ivy. I'd never heard of them before, and I was like, I couldn't. He didn't write anything on the tape. He's just like, hey, here's some bands that I I listen to, and I had to go back and find him and find out who it was. And of course, Op Ivy, Matt Freeman, and Tim Armstrong from Op Ivy are in Rancid, but I never got into Rancid. Which is weird because the other, the time that I wasn't listening. They definitely have a similar sound. Yeah. But the time that I wasn't listening to punk rock in high school, I was listening to a lot of Bob Marley and reggae. Mm -hmm. So you would think Rancid would be the perfect like mix of those. But for some reason, I never, maybe it's because I couldn't understand anything Tim was saying. Yeah, well, that makes a lot more sense now, because that first time you met me, you actually came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you should do a punk show. By the way, I also think Rancid sucks. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I have you heard of this other part. band, Op Ivy? <laughs> yeah. So I want to say that, so Eric actually mailed me or had a had mailed to me a CD of this album, even though we could have just listened to it digitally, but he wanted me to have the actual experience of the CD. And I was so happy you did that because the experience of opening a CD, I have not opened a CD, a new CD in... Mm, yeah. It's I a, don't know. It's lots a huge of pain years. in the ass. It's a huge fucking pain in the ass. That was the first <laughs> thing did I realized. It, did it like, have the, uh, uh, the uh, tape on the top that's really hard to yes, get off? Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where you have to like get scissors to get it started, and then it takes like oh, God. seven different. See, I I remember... opened the envelope and I pulled it out, and I really wanted to open it, but I let Jen do it. I wanted Jen to have the experience of opening it again, but I really wanted to do that trick where you take the the top part off, you pop it off the hinge, and then you fold it back and you peel off the sticker. I do not know that trick. <laughs> I totally remember that. Yeah, hey, remember yeah. how they they made a, a thing that would cut it for you? Anything that requires yes. you to buy something in order to open something is probably not a good idea. Anyway, it was it was really it was very nostalgic though, opening the CD and then the liner notes are amazing and they have all the lyrics in there, which was also very nostalgic. Yeah, handwritten. I don't think they have all the lyrics. They have an interpretation of what they claim the lyrics are. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. They have a collection of sounds. Uh Um, I I just, I loved it when CDs included the lyrics. It was like always so exciting. If I got a new CD, that's the first thing I would check. And the thing that's so awesome about these is so they're handwritten and there's you know big black lines all over the place because either they wrote the wrong word or they changed their mind halfway through there's some that like jam into each other there's a i can't remember what song it is but i'm sure it'll come to me but where it just stops at one point and the last verse isn't in here and i think it's just because they ran out of space because they'd written a different (laughs) song underneath it it's like well i guess that's all the words we're going to use for this one that's yeah, it. This and is our some, only piece of paper. Like, it's really hard to find where one song starts and another one ends. I had trouble on Junkie Man. It's down at the bottom, and it does continue later on up above in the next paragraph, but it totally looks like it's another track that they're writing. Yeah, I mean, the for. lyrics are very difficult to read. And so understand when listening to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... So I think that's funny that your first experience with this album was you reading the lyrics. 
Yeah, I remember that so succinctly, and yet I don't know any of the goddamn words. <laughs> and I don't know what I was trying to, to get out of it. Like, I can't imagine that I read it was like, oh, I totally understand what this is about. Because <laughs> listening to it now, I'm totally shocked how many songs are about junkies. Yeah. Like, little uh, 17-year-old Eric had no goddamn clue uh, oh. um, how many people were uh, doing heroin in uh, the bathroom and uh, and whatnot in this album. See, I didn't... I didn't pick up on that at all, listening to it. I mean, it is the rancid lore, like part of uh, that. Yeah, right. right, And rancid is the sober band. Like they all kind of came together with the idea that uh, they're going to be there. They're all going to be in this band. And if they're in the band, they can't uh, drink or do any drugs. And that was kind of the way we're just going to play a whole crap ton of music. So they're going to keep Tim alive. Yeah, Godspeed. I saw I saw some shows in the mid two thousands and make me think maybe that didn't hold uh, true for uh, the entirety <laughs> yeah. of the band. But <laughs> we do not have a CD player at our house either. So I listened to this in the car, which was also that fun is the right way to do it. That is how high school yeah. Eric yeah. listened to this motherfucking album. I put the thing yes. on a tape because I didn't have a CD player. And yep. I played this as I drove myself and my friends back and forth to high school for the entirety of the fall of 95 and the spring of 96, to the point that yes. uh, everyone who was ever in my car became uh, huge and Outcome the Wolves fans as well, and know the exact <laughs> same wrong lyrics that I know. Yes. Can we get into that now? I've been well, waiting wait, to hear. Wait, but I just wanted to say real quick that it was a great reminder of how fun punk rock was like i for some reason i was really surprised by how much fun it was to listen to like yeah did you sing along how fun oh absolutely and the thing is about that is that the songs are so simple and short that you know after listening to the album twice i could sing along with the choruses i mean the other Mm -hmm. words yes we can talk about that now what i realize is i don't do it anymore like i hadn't really thought about it at all and obviously not but you're driving around in a car now and i'm not uh singing along but i i yelled this entire album for the entirety of uh uh, senior high school and it's just i I know i did it with a bunch of stuff in college and you know that just is what uh driving around in a car was and now that just doesn't exist somehow yeah Somehow, yeah, old people I just don't have that. as much fun. I know. Well, and it's different on the train. Like, you'd probably get... Oh, I do it on the train, just not in the car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Thanks for clearing <laughs> that up. Mm-hmm. So, not in the quiet car, though. Micah, you wanted to... Oh, I want to hear some of these misheard lyrics. Now, okay, I have let's a just few. let's start at the goddamn beginning. So, uh, okay. the start oh, of God. this record, where it kind of comes in with, uh, like, the kind of garbled noise and then mm-hmm. the amazing bass line picks up for the song Maxwell Murder. Yes. Um, the very first line, song. which uh, you may not know this, but it's actually Maxwell gave Tarzan <laughs> hell, is, uh, is some of the what? best lyricism there's ever been in the whole world. And here's the thing, is none of the words in context with the lines after them make any fucking sense when you kind of try and parse what uh, what a rancid album means to what the, the person hearing it about? and yet yeah. oh no See i mean that? and yet it never fazed me at all but yep maxwell gave tarzan hell i here's the question that comes up for me when you talk about that is that before you said that you understood what the songs are about how i don't understand 
<laughs> I don't understand how anyone understands what these songs are about. Oh, I had no idea back in uh, in 95. I had uh, no <laughs> okay. clue. Um, but uh, okay. now as I, I was looking through it and trying to figure out how much I had wrong or what was going on, that's when I realized that 17-year-old Eric was listening to a whole lot of songs about junkies and I had no clue. Right. Well, you ha- yeah, you have more information now about... Yeah, except for the song Junkie Man. I mean, it was either that or well, about yeah. a junkyard. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one I eventually caught on to. <laughs> I do remember having a conversation with you, Eric. Um, I think you were lying when you said that I told you that I hated Rancid. Um, <laughs> that was just a joke you were telling. But I do remember having a conversation with you and another friend. As I remember them, we all sat on the floor in our dorm room. Because why would we sit in chairs or on the bed? But for some reason, I remember sitting around listening to Rancid and other punk rock and me spouting off about how I couldn't stand hearing Tim Armstrong's voice because I couldn't understand anything. And I wished Lars would sing more. And you guys playing a song for me and me complaining about it. And you guys both being like, Micah, that's Lars singing this song, you fucking idiot. <laughs> damn right. That am- that amazed me too is uh so Lars on Let's Go had, you know, some songs that were a little easier to uh hear, like a l- sounded a little more like a real singer singing. On this record yeah. you can't fucking tell the difference. They yeah, some, of his, it's some of his stuff is more garbled than uh than what Tim's singing. Yeah, because I didn't know that and I did not ever pick up on yeah the on fact this that album, there was more than one person singing. Lars just scream I mean, sings you know most I mean. of them. Like he's not, he doesn't sing as much as he, it seemed like he did on Let's Go, but Tim is, he's so distinctive. Okay. So you brought up Tim and his voice and a question I have is, by the way, let me put this out there that I loved this record, Eric. So. It'd be um, not to. Like really, be... it is, uh, it just, it just made, <laughs> I, I had not listened to it in, uh, in a few years and it, made me incredibly happy to uh to listen to it, it again and it is maybe it's it I, I don't care it's not it's not memory it's not nostalgia it's just because it's the greatest record that's ever been made <laughs> it is really fucking it's good it's really good it is really good i love i i thought maxwell murder was the perfect way to start it too. yeah it's I love a solid that. intro track yes um so anyway i just want to say that so it doesn't sound like i'm just like talking shit about it but i do have a question about Tim Armstrong's fucking voice. Yeah, the question that everyone's asked. And actually, asked it doesn't bother me, but I do what, like, he doesn't say me ever. <laughs> he says, meh. And I'm just wondering, here's my question. It, was that intentional because they wanted it to seem like they didn't give a fuck? Or does he have a speech impediment? I don't think he has a speech yes. impediment. My and uh, yes. My un my uneducated opinion is he's trying to sound like uh, the Clash. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But he does talk. He like every interview I've ever heard with him or anything. He talks weird too, and it sometimes sounds yeah. Like but that's accent, his Australian accent. Sometimes I mean, sounds that's... yeah, totally. It's like <laughs> it it's like a mix between Wait, an accent and a what? speech impediment, and <laughs> him trying to be Joe Strummer, and it. See, I thought that maybe, because there are some songs on this album that I did understand, and Lars was they reminded those. me that punk rockers are the biggest fucking softies, always. I, <laughs> I just, that's why I wondered if his whole meh thing was actually sort of supposed to be like a meh attitude, you know what I mean? 
Because they're trying to hide the fact that they're like softies. I mean, they have my favorite. Some of my favorite songs are always love songs. And they do have they have like a love song on this album. Yeah, I know. It's probably the closest thing. The way I feel. Rancid has ever come to the way I feel. Yes. I was thinking about she's automatic. Okay, that one too. The way I feel. The way I feel is. I didn't feel like it was a love song. I feel like he's telling the person he hates them. Yeah, he's oh. he. They've changed and. Oh well, see, I didn't listen to those lyrics. I guess we'll <laughs> it, just cut all this. This yeah, album well, is the, really the way you feel has uh, a part where he says, "Hey, girl, you play. Please take a look around, explore your hide, find out for yourself." Jenny DeMilo, you don't care nothing about me. And I yeah. thought that's nonsense. Let me check what he really said. It turns out that's exactly <laughs> what he really said. <laughs> The only time in this whole goddamn record that I got it right, and it's nonsense. It took you 19 tracks, and then you mm-hmm. understood it all. I explored um, my hide, this, and I found out for myself. This album, even though I wasn't that into Rancid, and I never spent that much time listening to these albums, it I couldn't escape these songs. I mean, this was this album was played on MTV. They had probably their three biggest hits, as far as radio play goes. Up to that point, for sure, and probably maybe still, like Time Bomb and Ruby Soho, Roots Radicals, those were on the radio, and just everyone I knew was listening to them all the time, too, so even though I didn't own this album until later, listening to it again, I was like, oh, I know, I mean, I don't know all the words, but I know all these songs, and I recognize them, and they're totally those classic songs that take me back to that time period, and I don't even know the name of the track, but listening to them Again, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know this song. This yeah, this is that was one. a really interesting time for like the East Bay Punk because it was blowing up with Osprey yeah. and uh, Green Day and everyone getting radio hits and Rancid was going to be the next big thing. And the only outside of remembering watching uh, this on sound effects, um, I distinctly remember <laughs> reading a Rolling Stone uh, profile on, uh, on Rancid from 95. And I went yeah. back and found it and read through it. And all the little anecdotes I have and the songs that I actually know what they're about is because they're referenced in the... the it's uh, from that one article. <laughs> article. And yeah. it tells a story about how they're being courted by major labels. And at yeah. the time, Madonna owned Maverick Records or was running Maverick Records and uh, met with Rancid and Tim and were trying to court them to go on the Maverick. So that's kind of... Uh, comes through in this thing too of there's a couple songs about people telling them they're sellouts but yeah uh, that is something that i had just kind of forgotten about is this whole sense of you're not punk kind of thing that uh, that existed in the mid 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is really what it kind of was coming to a head for rancid is they ended up staying on the label they were on which was epitaph but this was their chance where they almost busted out and i don't know if because of that, they got better producers or what. But this uh, this album has the shit produced out of it. Like it is, every single song has something unique, and there's mm-hmm. it's an incredible uh, kind of mix of okay, this song is bass forward, this song has the jangly guitar, this song has yeah. a wood block, this song has bongos, <laughs> here comes an organ. Like it's never <laughs> overdone, but every song has its one like little unique flourish. That makes it sound yeah. uh, really kind of Yeah, special. and I loved how the, the songs weren't too... Like, there are a couple that are really ska songs. And then there are some, like, Ruby Soho that are kind of in between. Like, not too ska. But then they're just straight punk rock songs, too. 
it's perfect because Let's Go is more of a punk album and um, Life Won't Wait is like their reggae album. And this one's right in between. And it had a good mix, but it doesn't feel disconnected at all. Like all the songs go together really well. See, I did not realize or remember how much ska there was, how much ska was in Rancid songs. And I, I actually, I don't do a lot of research for this show at all, but I was reading an article or, or just somebody's blog post, I think, that was like their top 10 favorite Rancid songs. But they were talking about how Rancid used ska and they described it as the perfect foil to punk rock's surly aggression, which I thought was so perfect because that is what makes the songs a little more playful like yeah and it's the it's the op ivy thing too so it's kind of yeah, where it exactly. came from because op ivy had uh, that same kind of thing with a punk edge one thing from that article in rolling stone is they mentioned that the song adina from their first album which is straight ahead punk rock could be played with a ska beat mm. and uh and it sounds awesome that way too and i I remember reading that and thinking, oh, I'll be damned. And so I listened to it and was like, oh, okay, maybe I don't, I don't get it. But then the song Time Bomb, yeah. I had this young man like realization where all of a sudden I was the smartest man in the world where I recognized the first verse because it is the song um, Motorcycle Ride on Let's oh, Go. Yeah. And that song is straight ahead punk rock, but the very first verse is the exact same really? as the first verse of Time oh, Bomb. Wow. Yep. And Motorcycle Ride then ends with a woman drinking a bunch of whiskey and dying on a motorcycle and time bomb continues for two and a half more verses. <laughs> so it's the, the happier song, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, I guarantee it was the, they had the same little thing. They started playing it like, Oh, let's, let's turn this into a different song. They're actually like, I, they're, they're damn good musicians. Yeah. Like it's, oh, uh, dude, the bass and drums in particular, like, yeah, Matt Freeman's the- bass. And Time Bomb was also the only song... Well, no, I knew Olympia Washington because a friend had put it on a mixtape for me once, but Time Bomb was the only song I recognized or remembered. If you want to make a moment, then you better come in. It's just a ability that reason that we're so thin. Living and dying and the stories that are true. Secret to a collapse, when you're through. Black hole, white shoes, Also, though, Elliot and I saw the movie Peter Rabbit last weekend, <laughs> and Time Bomb was in that movie. Oh, no. And we that. had just, yes, and we had just been listening to this album in the car, and Elliot was all into it, and then, yeah, fucking Time Bomb was in weird. the Peter Rabbit movie. We have to look that up. And I wasn't and... sure if I wanted to tell you that or not, because it just... It can't be the rancid version, though. I bet they had someone cover yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. It, I... I couldn't tell. Well, maybe but not. Anyway. Either way, they had to sell him the publishing oh, rights. Probably. Man, was it was it a moment? Or license it. I mean, was Peter Rabbit wearing a black coat, white shoes, a black hat, and riding in a Cadillac? <laughs> no, yes. but it was a pretty punk rock moment, actually. Like, because it's this. All the animals have broken into this human's house, and they're just destroying it. They're just tearing it apart and having a party, basically. So, I mean, it, it captured the mood well of the scene, but. I still was like, wow. Wow. That's interesting timing. So let's, can we talk about like, we can talk about some misheard lyrics, but I also want to talk about like favorite songs and stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have a pretty good uh, feeling that every single song will have some misheard lyrics. So if you just want to tell me what your favorite song was, uh, I bet mm. magic will happen. <laughs> well, I don't have one favorite. I have several. But I put in parentheses here, I like almost all the songs. I think I might like all of them, actually. Um, I really like Lockstep and Gone a lot. Yeah, that one's, uh, a, that one's a burner. Yeah, it has a really fucking rad bass solo. It's more, it's, it felt like more kind of classic punk rock. And I felt the same way about Maxwell Murder. Both those songs are like, well, Maxwell Murder especially is like short, fast, fun. I loved both of those songs. I really like Locks Up and Gone too. Yeah. But the only thing I wrote down about it was Stai Yop, Dao Yound, Grau Yound, Grau Yound. I can't even do it right. We'll just put a clip in here so you don't have to listen to me try to do it anymore. No, we will definitely hear you do it. <laughs> yeah, try it again. I didn't quite get it. Can you, uh, yeah, do it one more time? <laughs> You no, can but the, back uh, later. I mean, it has one of my favorite uh, random lines where he says, the stop sign's broken. Yes. God, see, <laughs> I, I didn't that. even... And the meter's going I, down. I, I'm sure he meant uh, the stop light, but I like it much more to think that the stop sign is broken and it just either has kind of broken in half or actually yeah. turned into a yield sign. Like... Yes. Yeah, that's a good that's point. That's what happens to broken stop signs. <laughs> Another one I really liked. And actually... So I was trying to guess what your favorite songs w- were, Eric, and I don't, I don't think I guessed right. But um, the first one that made me think about that was Ruby Soho, and I think it was because I have been to a few punk rock shows with both of you, actually, and I, I always picture you just like loudly singing along, and for some reason Ruby Soho, mostly just the chorus. I actually thought the verses were a little boring, but I just had this. For some reason, that song, the first time I heard it, I had this image of you at a show singing along. Well, the last minute of that song where it's just the repetition of Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho, yes, and basically yes, everything yes. drops out, and it's just Tim singing. That is the epitome of it. a punk rock yellow song. Yeah, there's a right? lot of good exactly. ones in this album where the chorus is screamed along by a chorus of people just yelling. It's so good. They're so good at yeah. that. Ruby Soho is the one that I I remember the most being all over the place uh, in terms of on the radio <laughs> and on yeah. MTV. Oh, That's really? the one I couldn't That's get funny. away from. And it's really it's funny. not... it's. Yeah, it's not very, I don't know if it's just a saturation of it or what, but it isn't one of my favorites, but it, uh, I mean, I know every sound. Yeah. Well, see, I had never heard it before because I don't know if you know this, but I was gone. Mm. I was not in the world. And this is like a, this is perfect proof of that because I completely missed that moment. Like I had never heard that song. 
What are some of your favorite tracks, Eric? So Journey to the End of the East Bay is one that really resonates with me. I think partially because it begins with the word reconcile. Which is probably the best possible way to start a punk rock song ever. And also because it is kind of the most linear of all their songs. When you try and look and see what these things are about, most of them are just absolute garbage. But this one is a straightforward song of... Started in 87, ended in 89. That's the 10 year of Operation Ivy. They drove around in a car a bunch. They played in garages. They got too big. Everyone got jealous. They broke up. And then Tim's friend comes from uh, New Orleans and oh, he's excited right. yes. the place is a Mecca. And yes. it turns out it's not. And that is, Those are the that lyrics is one I of heard. my most vivid memories is I my first real punk rock show was Rancid and uh, went and saw them at the DV8 in uh, in Seattle. <laughs> and I distinctly remember them playing this song live. And during that moment where Tim sings, um, he said this was a Mecca. I said, this ain't no Mecca, man. This, this place, place is, is fucked. fucked. Came from far away from New Orleans and East Bay. He said, this is a Mecca. I said, this ain't no Mecca, man. This place is fucked. And he flipped off the audience, both fingers up, big middle fingers. <laughs> and it was such like a moment of, oh, that's really cool, that little yeah. uh, little Eric decided he had to tell everybody about it. So this is a tell them about the song and, oh, the show was so great. And there's this part where it said, this ain't no Mecca, man, this place is fucked. And I just was telling this story while driving my car and flipped both middle fingers up in the air to accentuate <laughs> the moment of the story and flipped off oh, an no. old lady that was driving past us. And... <laughs> <laughs> I just, just remember her locking eyes with me and kind of going off to the side and just like, there we go. So Journey to the End of the East Bay is a great song and it's a great way to flip off. Oh, that That's... is awesome. Yeah, that is one of my favorite songs too. Because the East Bay sucks. And yet right, at the time exactly. they're writing this, they all live there and they're, uh, they're it was in the all played out. Journey to the End of the East Bay was the only song that I could follow like there was a plot yeah kind of. i mean like like you said it's a ballad so there was an actual story about something that i understood and it once again i wrote this down a lot but on this song that bass line at the beginning is fucking amazing really good bass lines throughout the album but the beginning of the song is just i don't know it felt it felt like operation ivy to me in a way too um which is appropriate because that's what the song's about but it just felt like older and there were a couple lines throughout the album that made me think more about operation ivy style lyrics that were more about unity and you know all those like it's a movement and we're doing all these things. And this one was obviously about Op Ivy, but I loved this one line. There wasn't always a place to go, but there was always an urgent need to belong. Yeah, the way you said that didn't really rhyme. And I'm sure that how Tim said it rhymes because some fucking way (laughs) he's able to rhyme every noise and sound together. When you actually like try to think of what he's saying, none of them are actually rhyming noises. But I mean, he rhymes started in 87, ended in 89 with any time. 
And it just sounds like it makes perfect sense. Of course. Like nine time, yep, that's a rhyme. Yeah, that's if you just say benefit. That's the benefit of, yeah, just going. Speaking without consonants? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. So, Jen, you said, uh, that, you said that that was yeah. the only song that had a uh, linear kind of story about it. I think you're forgetting the song As Wicked, which is another one of my favorites, which is I, a That dream was of also one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. This a is dream not of a consciousness ballad. of Tim walking <laughs> through a town on his way to the junkyard, to the dump, and as he goes... He sees all of the worst things that have ever happened to humanity. Yes. <laughs> really? That's what that song he is about? He befriends a little girl. He sees an old okay, man that on was the also... street looking for something to eat in a dumpster. I saw a man on a string. He's a dumpster of a son. <laughs> I, that, you told me to spend extra time with that one and a couple of others. And it was also one of my favorites, but I did not know any of that. I Yeah. Well, that one also... He's like, it's like spoken word almost, some of the stories he's telling, and it's really hard to understand what he's saying. It's like the most slurred he is on this album, I feel like. I love the transition uh, between There's Something Coming Around to As Wicked. I don't remember yeah. how it sounds right this second, but we'll put it. They're all singing, like, There's Something Coming Around. a little rough some of the harmonizing on that part is a little oh, not man, their no. most polished no i i love the na 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 yes and i love harmonies i love punk rock songs with harmonies na, 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 I, na, 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 na. I love it so many nas. that's the thing is that he so basically the song is he sees an old man on the street eating out of a dumpster and then he sees a lady who's crying <laughs> And then he sees a kid on the phone talking to her mom about how her friend just died. And then there's a kid alone in the Jesus. park. And then he meets a lady who's 25 years old and tells Tim that she's never had a friend before. And he says the greatest fucking thing in the whole world. He says, hey, girl, yes. I'll be your friend, but who's keeping score? I know this girl, she's barely alive. She's all haggard, short, 25. She said she's never had a friend before. I said, hey, girl, I'll be your friend, but who's keeping score? And then oh, yeah. we're in a midst of sadness of all this awfulness. And then in they come and they na 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 the hell out of that shit. And it is the happiest song all of a sudden yeah. that's ever happened. And his friend tells him he's weird. a lucky guy. Yeah, he's lucky because he sits weird. on a hill and looks at a dump. What the fuck does that <laughs> yeah. mean? Yeah. Yep. Well, also, it's where what he does likes to go. That mean, but who's keeping score? What was he? What? What? Oh, because no one's keeping score about that... how many friends she has. She says she's never had a friend before, and he says, "Hey, girl, I'll be your friend." So that he's number one. But who's keeping oh, score? Oh, okay. Obviously, I he is because he wrote it in the song and totally blew her up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like that song a lot, though. It does have one of the best screamed chorus verses, like all of them screaming wicked as. That's great. As wicked. Yeah. Yes. That was another one that I could imagine being at a show yell, yell singing along yes. to. 
So an, another yeah. one that was always one of my favorites and probably the one that I sang the most in uh, in my car was Avenues and Alleyways. And oh, yeah. um, oh, yes. that, uh, as I still know the lyrics to be, the beginning of that song is, I did it at the prom. <laughs> yeah, the prom was hip. And actually, I'm at the liner actually, right it's, I figured out the problem. The problem is you. <laughs> what? Wait, so I want you, you thought to it know, was, I... I did it at the prom. Yeah, the okay, prom. Okay, that's what I thought you said. Yeah. Tip. Because I, I, which the rest of the song is about racial harmony. So pretty sure he was at the prom and he totally danced with some people who were not white and it was the greatest prom ever. And that's how they showed the man. Yeah, that's not that's what the song is. It's about racial harmony? What the hell oh come on <laughs> brother brother against brother we're, we're a different color but he's the same kid yeah well i didn't understand any of that because it didn't <laughs> sound like those fucking words you say that as if i should know that but there's no reason i should know that I think this song also has the only oys on the album. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I wrote that down because Micah was like, there are no oys on this one. I was like, yes, there are. Just that one. And it is that song, yes. And the hand claps. Speaking of, okay, now I find that interesting because that song you said is about racial harmony, but kind of it is. It is about uh, the fact that uh, the problem is the people who are raising all these folks to be racist. It's like the the problem is the people who are kind of keeping punk separated. I think is more or less what it is. I think it's it's kind of a meant as a song to skinheads, but I don't know. Right, which is what I was just going to bring up is that. I, for some reason, oi, I associate with racism. I don't know why that particular, I don't, I'm not saying it, that I think rancid is a bunch of racists. I'm just, I, I don't know what the history is there. I know that there's some history with skinheads. I don't know. Well, oi punk is more associated with skinheads, right, Eric? Yeah. That's how I yeah. And I think, I think part of it's, well, it's not clear. Let's say that (laughs) you can't. You can't read this yeah. song and feel 100% that uh, um, everything is going to be okay. But I think what they're basically saying is we're going to band together and go through every avenue and alleyway and knock everyone the fuck down. And yeah. um, we're going to do it together. It doesn't matter what color you are. We're, uh, we're united here. But uh, yeah, there's. Uh, yeah. I saw Rancid uh, a few years ago in Chicago and they were doing a Outcome the Wolves uh, 20th anniversary show. And um, Lars had brought up a local uh, uh, skinhead um, contingent to stand on the stage during the entire uh, show. And I could tell you, that was a lot of white guys. So Wait, what? Why? I, I don't, it, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I, I'm not here to do research. Did he do it? Because... I'm here to love music. <laughs> 
But there's also, there's a long history of skinhead stuff that comes out of actually like the Rude Boys Mm -hmm. in London and listen to a lot of ska and rocksteady and reggae stuff that skinheads, as we grew up with them, were associated with the neo-Nazi movement. But the there was a skinhead movement that was totally separate from that. And there's a lot of, there was a separation where some of the skinheads went like to the extreme right, but there was also a lot of extreme left ideology and anti-fascist skinheads. So it's not like we associate it with like American history X type skinheads, but that's not the only skinhead movement. Is that though also. And I I mean, because ultimately punk, punk rock is basically it's just, it's angry white men. I mean, I, and I like punk rock. I'm just saying they sing about skinhead Rob and stuff like the, Rancid had friends that were skinheads, and there were definitely people in the scene. I don't. Yeah, get I, it. I don't think. Now, this or is. I'm you... not condoning anything. I don't think skinhead is synonymous with uh, racist asshole. I think there are yeah. a lot that are, and the scene that we grew up with uh, was, you know, in the Northwest. Right, like... That uh, that happened to yeah, come together a lot more skinheads, than. Yeah than uh, maybe other places and I can't uh, I'm not going to go one way or the other because I really don't know but uh, they they made a lot of uh, uh, Rancid made a lot of great music uh, in Jamaica with a lot of great reggae producers and they very specifically Jen say he's a different color but we're the same kid so obviously (laughs) they're not racist oh everything is cool I'm just uh, the I would like to learn more about the history, I guess, of punk rock in general as it relates to that, to this kind of thing, because that's cool, though, that they worked with reggae producers. Wait, what song is it where they talk about reggae? That's the other best song ever, which is Roots Radical. Oh, that's the one that I had some real... Which is from a Jimmy Cliff song, right? Mm -hmm. And they sing about Desmond Decker. I, uh, do you want to hear my misheard lyrics? I don't know. We'll decide whether or not they're right. I I mean, you may have just nailed it on the first try. I didn't. This is what I heard in the opening. And I listened six times in a row just to the opening to try to understand these lyrics. He took the 60 bus out of Dodge or Camel Bins. Arnado, he was on there. He was waiting for me. Camel Bins or Arnado. Camel Bins. And then Arnado. I think Arnado is just a guy, like a friend of <laughs> theirs that was on the bus. He's a friend and of all he, of ours. Um, yeah, <laughs> now he, <laughs> he is. is now. Uh, yeah, so Arnado was on the bus because he wanted to get uh, out of Dodge. Yeah, or Camel he was waiting bins. for me. Yeah, I uh, yeah I did not get those lyrics right because I did check and they weren't singing about. Camel you want to know what the song's about, Jen? <laughs> yes. This is please. one of the ones I know because of that Rolling Stone article. Well, it's so about reggae about, partially. Yeah, yeah, but it's about the first Sorry, time but... both Tim and Lars. Uh, came to the East Bay basically, or maybe not the first time, but when they, because uh, Lars grew up in Campbell, California. So this is him taking the bus from Campbell, California to the East Bay and being oh, drunk on a bus. Campbell, yeah. And then I think it's. With his friend Ben Zanotto. Uh-huh. Ben Zanotto. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Yeah, Camel Bins. Campbell, Ben Zanotto. So instead of Camel Bins, you're saying that what, instead of Camel Bins, it's Campbell Ben Zanotto. I like your lyrics better, though. Yeah, you made it a much better song. And then, uh, and then, yeah, this is a, just about some punks riding the bus. And then Tim is on a different bus riding up from uh, or down from Albany, uh, and he is 
with Rude Girls Carol, who was a miniskirt girl. And this has my favorite lyric, which I've oh, always yes. known, which is Rude, uh-huh. Rude Girl Carol was a miniskirt girl. My chlorendition saw nothing wrong. And I had said that my, my entire what? life. And I've always known it was the <laughs> lyric. My chlorendition saw nothing wrong. And I've never looked up to see what the word chlorinditions means. I've never looked at the dictionary. <laughs> Tell me more about your chlorinditions. I mean, he, he uses the word like... reconcile elsewhere in the record, so I figured probably just more vocabulary mm-hmm. that I knew. So, um, Is it special mm-hmm. conditioner for Mohawks? Uh, no, actually, it's a uh, timism uh, for blurred vision. Oh, chlorinditions. Uh-huh. His chlorinditions saw nothing wrong because he was drunk off his ass. God, these fucking lyrics. Well, and there's something they like. They yell at the bus driver to pick those Mm -hmm. girls up, but the bus driver doesn't want to because of the way they're dressed, and he doesn't see anything wrong because he was drunk. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is the one where they're like the reggae on my stereo, right? Yeah, this is the one that has all the the lyrics we don't know, and also happens to be the best song ever. (laughs) It is really good. Give him the boot. And this has this has one of the the kind of recurring. flourishes that I really like in these songs is when the right around the time the second chorus ends um, they'll do something special to kind of hit the bridge to get you to the very last verse and in this one everything drops out and then both Lars and then Tim repeat like just two lines from their initial stories and they're not the first lines it's just whatever they think was the best stuff they say that again in like a more yelly voice (laughs) and then right back to the chorus and it's just like it is one of those, much like the uh, Ruby Soho things, which is just built for a punk rock sing along. Yeah, also has a great line uh where do you go now when you're only 15 i loved that was that from the song that was from the song and most people fucking read these lyrics yeah it is most people would go to high school or or something like that but uh, (laughs) lars would get on a bus (laughs) and uh go to uh, a camel bin a camel camel bin a camel Uh bin Uh, is that a camel bin with arnado i also i misheard some other lyrics during that song as well so the punk rapper, punk rappers, <laughs> punk rockers, and moon. I wrote moon stoppers, but it's st- mm-hmm. stompers, isn't it? Moon stompers, yeah. Moon stompers. All the punk rockers and all the moon stompers. We're out on the corners using sparrows for change. <laughs> oh my god, that's so beautiful. Is that did the I moon get that stoppers? One right? We're using sparrows for change. Using sparrows for change. Can we just talk about what that could possibly mean? I mean. Like they're giving people sparrows as currency, as change, I just, I can't or even are they using the sparrows what? to start a revolution? The sparrow is, you know, the classic uh, tattoo of uh, kind of the sailor and also the punk rocker. So I'm pretty sure mm. they were cutting off their skin and using oh, that yeah. to buy more booze. Yes. <laughs> but hey, I mean, my clone distance saw nothing right. wrong, so I think it's totally cool. 
Chlorindition. He was drunk on the bus. Chlorindition. My chlorindition. I've known that my entire life. I've never. Guess what? It took one time looking in the liner notes, and you nobody really said. It. How many times have I done yep. that since 1995? Zero, Zero times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was. I know that you misheard some lyrics in Olympia, Washington. Also, so that was one of the songs you said Olympia you had Law. heard before because of your uh, um, yes. history with the city of Olympia, Washington. A friend put it on a mixtape because of my history with the city of Olympia, Washington. I wrote down, <laughs> uh, I wrote down here something about a porn house. Oh yeah, these girls took us to the yeah. porn house where we played a little pinball how, machine. Yeah, that's is that how you oh, misheard yeah. it too? That's how I uh-huh. always misheard it too. That's how everyone okay, what, has misheard is, that. Oh, is that what they said then? They took us to the porn house. Well, but then I thought maybe written down as funhouse. Yeah, they covered That's for themselves. Always written down they uh, they probably house. were they probably sang the song and then thought maybe their moms would listen to it, so they wanted to kind of yeah. make the moms think they weren't actually at the porn house. So they wrote funhouse. Now, Timothy, <laughs> I heard that you went to a porno house when you were in New York City. <laughs> okay, and th- was that the one too where he's talking about uh, Puerto Ricans? Yes. Puerto Ricans taking... No, no, no. They took him yeah. to the oh, pornhouse. Yeah. The Puerto Ricans took the him Puerto to the pornhouse. The Puerto Ricans house. took him to the pornhouse. And they played pinball, which is what you do. Lonely pinball. Maybe that's a euphemism. You want to play some Lonely Pinball? I think, uh, yeah, Lonely Pinball Machine. I think it's like a pinball machine off in the corner. So I think then they were off all by themselves. Because he, this is this is his sad love song, or his, as all his songs are on this one, his his kind of longing love song. Yeah. So he's in New York, and uh, his lady's back in Olympia, and he's just playing a Lonely Pinball Machine. <laughs> which, in the porn let your imagination house. go with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, in a porn house. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song, and I actually love the No Effects version. They did a split series. I don't remember. It was, it was the BYO split series that they did. Do you remember this, Eric? Oh, yeah. Where No Effects played a bunch of Rancid songs, and Rancid played a bunch of No Effects songs. And I love the No Effects version of the song, but it was good to listen to this again because I haven't heard it in quite a while. And I've always loved this song. Yeah, any song where someone watches a thousand beer calls from work, that is something that is going to resonate with me and make me always happy to hear it. <laughs> uh, so this one, Jen, this... Uh, what I actually know about this from uh, is that this one is about he was dating uh, a woman in Bikini Kill at the time when he was out oh, in New York recording really? the album. So and uh, and so this was basically like it was it was not going great for uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Armstrong in uh, in that relationship or being out by himself. So this was his mm-hmm. Here I Am, I Wish I Was Somewhere Else song. Okay, how about the song Old Friend? Speaking of longing songs, I it took me a couple times listening to it before I understood what he was saying, which was Good Morning Heartache. Yep. Because yeah, I always thought it was Good Morning Hottie. I, oh, I, I had... thought it was Hard Hard A or something. Good Morning Hard A. <laughs> Good Morning Honey. That was me. Yeah. I actually did figure that one out myself, but 
once it I, it was a great moment for me when I realized he was saying good morning heartache. I just I just got this huge smile on my face because I was like, see, so I told you, fucking punk rockers, they're the biggest softies. Good morning, heartache. Aww. It totally changes the meaning of the song if he's not singing good morning, hottie. It really does. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the end of that, the end of that song where the organ kicks oh, in. Oh, yes. Uh, the Hammond organ is so it, good. Uh, hits the bridge and he says somewhere, somewhere in America. And it's basically like, here I am, I'm not at home, but I, uh, we're on our way back there kind of thing. Somewhere in America, the sad night, and we were far from home, but you know, it's gonna be alright. That's good stuff. But really, I'm I'm surprised that you misheard this song as being a uh, a song about heartache, because really it's just a massive burn on the city oh, of Cleveland. Yeah. What? Because he says he always goes out, he never hides, but in Cleveland I should have stayed inside. Wait, what so, the fuck? <laughs> so on. many references to Cleveland in this song, and I don't like I don't get it. What were they doing in Cleveland? I don't know, but he was not happy. That was yeah, the well, day that the heartache really hit him, and he, he just was in Cleveland. Uh, he was in Cleveland. What the fuck? I have another one, um, another good misheard lyric about War's End. War's End? At okay. War's End. For years, oh, yeah. I was so confused about this. And I finally, I remember in college when I finally realized, and I've never told anyone this before because I was so embarrassed, but his mom, Sammy was a punk rocker, and his oh, mom yeah. took away his <laughs> Billy Ray record. Is what I heard. Oh yeah, that's what I have too. Yeah, no, I, I think it was his was dad that smashed it. His dad so... smashed his Billy Ray, his Billy Ray record. That's how I've always always it? known it until I actually right. heard Billy, Billy Bragg and uh, realized what they were singing about. Little Sammy was a punk rocker. He knew his mother never understand him. Went into his room and smashed his Billy Ray record. I was so confused because Billy Ray Cyrus didn't seem punk rock or communist to me. Yeah, he didn't so have I... much of a communist message. I mean, his <laughs> achy breaky me. heart is, fuck is really off. both of you fuck off. <laughs> it took me years. If I get that song in my head right now, I'm done with you both forever. Oh god. No, just think about war, the war is over, and that song will get in your head instead. Okay, one other song I want to mention real quick because it deserves a shout out is You Don't Care Nothing. It wasn't one of my favorite songs in overall, but the fucking drums at the beginning. So good. Yeah, it is, and it is the most rancid of rancid guitar intros ever. Like that is that that intro with uh, with the drums and with the guitars uh, is uh, is about if you're like, oh, what does rancid sound like? It's like that part yeah. right there. Ten the seconds. Only, there you go. Only note I wrote for don't you don't care nothing is classic. <laughs> I don't. I think I just didn't listen to that one as many times. Maybe after I listened to the whole record a couple times, I sort of skipped around, but. 
I did fucking love the drums at the beginning of that one. It made me really want to learn to play the drums better. Yeah, I'm just looking through the track list again, and there are so many interesting songs. Like, the Junkie Man isn't my favorite Rancid song, but it's so interesting because it has... Like, Eric, you were saying earlier, it has all these things in this album, all these different elements, like wood blocks and Hammond organ. And this one has um, spoken word by Jim Carroll from the Basketball Diaries guy. Like, that's him. He I was there. I don't remember that. He, oh, it's the part where someone the comes poem in, in the middle about... About the wolves coming out. He comes in and uh, spouts yeah. a bunch of nonsense, oh. which is probably hard to, <laughs> to, to notice because it's surrounded by a couple yes. other people talking about a whole bunch of nonsense. My hand went blind. You were in the vein, clairvoyant. But it also has DJs scratching in this song. Like there's record scratches. Yeah, you know what? I'm pretty sure this song is at fault for um, Tim getting into that band with the Blink-182 <laughs> drummer called The Transplant. Yeah. I think this was the genesis of that horrible oh, idea. Oh, God. So every time I hear this song now, I'm like, oh, man, if they would have just left this one off the record, it's that never would have happened. It's not, it's not my favorite, like I said. But... It had a lot of reggae sound in it, I thought, that one. That one? I think that one, there's a different uh, reggae one with junkies. That's the um, Daily City Train. The, yes. the one where yeah, Jackal one had a beer in his hand last time he'd seen him. That's, oh, God. Uh, okay. That... Speaking of, that's another good misheard lyric that I always sang as Jack O mm. had a beer in his hand since San Isidro. <laughs> which... <laughs> I think is a town in San Diego, but I was thinking of it a town as, in San Diego or near right? San Diego, near the border of Mexico. But but I always thought of it as a stop, like it must be a a stop on the Bart line or something. <laughs> San Isidro. It sounds like a yeah, yeah but no, it's a, Jackal. That's that's one of my favorites, and that one um, I never realized that it it starts with him shooting dope in the bathroom. That was one of the ones. It's like, well, I'll be goddamn. I thought it was a guy just hanging out yeah. drinking beer on the train, and nope. This is a little God. different. I feel like 17-year-old you right now because I I did not pick up on any of this and I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed off right now because I felt like I was walking into this like knowing the album pretty well and and everything you guys bring up I have no idea what you're talking about. No, you have to go listen to it again. Yeah. I mean, I know what I know is the choruses just... and I can sing along with the choruses yeah. and I can tell the songs apart. And <laughs> So that's a win. Well, so you know the you know the songs as well as seventeen year old Eric who <laughs> listened to them every single day for a year, yeah. and yet knows them as well as you who've listened to them six times. <laughs> so you're right. You you did this exactly right. This was okay. the most important album uh, in my entire goddamn life, and I had no idea what do it was about. Do you still? Is it still the most important album in your life? Do you think? Um. No. I mean, who knows? I'm sure. The music I listen to now is shaped by the fact that this was what I listened to the most. Yeah. It went off on, you know, punk rock tangents and found things that I loved and uh, 
made friends in college because of this album, because mm-hmm. of shirts that I refuse to take <laughs> off. <laughs> and Do you still it, have that it, shirt? This is, uh, no, my mom threw it away. Oh, mom. That... I, went, uh, I went home for uh, vacation uh, from college and put it in the dirty clothes, and then it didn't get back in my drawer, and I asked my mom where it was. She goes, oh, I don't know. It must have gotten lost. Oh, let's be honest, Eric. It never made it out of the washing machine. It just disintegrated. <laughs> it just disintegrated. It went off to punk rock heaven. <laughs> it went down the drain. Okay. Yeah, I do believe at that time it had safety pins holding it together. And, uh, yeah, Aww. that was... There's nothing more punk that rock than long that. Uh, that was the show. That was the... I got that shirt at that first punk rock show where I saw Rancid. That was... That was that your was very first... That was your very first punk rock show ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unless, okay. I don't know, were the Oak Ridge Boys punk rock? Yes. 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 Uh, yes. Okay. In, so it was, well, my, it I was mean, my second. In their own way. In in my grandparents' yeah. circles. That was <laughs> yeah. So the one thing that when I was thinking about this is this album and going and seeing Rancid kind of set me up to the guy that goes to punk rock shows and has uh, this music mean a lot to him. And it is kind of that cornerstone of who I was as I was growing up and getting ready to bring this to you as something that you never had a chance to be part of when you were 17 years old because you were in the middle of Montana just made me think, what the fuck would everything have been different if you were somewhere with people sharing good or bad music with you and locking something in into your brain that made you that way for the rest of your life or did it just hit a pause button for you and you had to wait until you got back to civilization before all that stuff could kind of come at you? Um, I, so first of all, music was everything to me, of course, before I left home, way more than like TV and movies were at that time. So having all of that taken away from me was, it sucked. I think it was really a pause button, but it's more than pause. It's more like fast forward, you know, cause I, I missed this. Like I totally missed this moment. Uh, I, I mean, and there were a lot of things, a lot of really good albums that came out while I was gone. I have now realized, and some of them I've heard and some of them I haven't, but I, I wonder a lot about that. Like how, what I would have listened to and how it would have been different if I would have stayed home. Plus I was in Olympia and a lot of shit was happening in Olympia at that time. Yeah. It was Um, so good. Tim really wanted to get back to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, I think it was more like a fast forward and I just was left behind on all this stuff and probably would have, been a different person had I been around for it I think yeah I don't know 17 year old Jen never got to sing in uh in a car with uh 17 year old Eric but pretty sure 19 year old Jen got to sing wrong lyrics to plenty (laughs) of songs inside uh a (laughs) bunch of crappy cars definitely yeah definitely yeah no and this made me really nostalgic in a different way like not obviously not for these specific songs but just I really did think a lot about being at shows with you. Like, and I don't know that we even have been to that many, but I definitely have clear memories of being at shows with you in your black hoodie. And, um, yeah. And I was always flipping off old ladies. And I mean, like, that's, it's really hard to forget. Like, 
it, it, no, unfortunately, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> that, I never saw that. But yeah, that's what it made me nostalgic for. It was like, oh man, that was fun. But yeah, but I also really, I was really excited that you wanted to, you were really excited to share this with me, I felt like. And I, I was really excited about it because of that, because it meant so much to you. It was such a huge, like, turning point, basically, in your life with music and who you were. And yeah, it's an album so that, that was, I, that made a, it, I, that made it really special for me. That's all I was going to say. It's an album I haven't thought about in uh, in a few years, and yet the moment you said the time period that you were uh, <laughs> trying to fill in as uh, fill the hole in for, it, I instantly thought yeah. of being in my grandparents' living room and reading this record, <laughs> and knowing oh, that yeah. uh, I was going to be listening to it for an, a year after that, uh, and it yeah. was just it was instantaneous. It's like this is the one. This is the one that if That's I had it. been in Montana during that period, there'd be a hole in my yeah. life because I'd they would change who I was. I wouldn't have been sitting in a radio station meeting wearing a ratty t-shirt. I would have probably just right. been um, some super fit guy who had climbed a bunch of hills and was totally awesome <laughs> and had like a really sweet tan and still had like the really nice smile he has, but uh, mm. probably didn't have Micah for a friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I have, I have albums like that now, like for me, n- not too long after that, you know, when I discovered Modest Mouse, I, Modest Mouse was like that for me. With I drove around all summer, one summer, listening to Lonesome Crowded West and, was, and yelling. In and the counting drum beats, right? Was that when you counted the drum beats it would take to get from the oh, beginning yes, of the song to, the, uh, to when the words started? Well, no, yep. it was, it's, it's, yeah, it's that one song. It's um, Styrofoam Boots. I fucking love that song. But that record, I feel like for me... It was later for me, like that musical discovery for me just happened later because that was when, because I became a DJ at the radio station, like our sophomore year. I think the radio station was a really big part of my musical awakening that would have happened a lot earlier had I stayed home, I think. Yeah. You answered Um, my question. Yeah. In a long and No, that was great. No, don't doubt it. That was good. So yeah. So wrapping up on this. I just want to say I really, really enjoyed this. It was super fun to listen to, and I'm excited that I now know it. Not as well as you, dinguses, but I... You know, I don't listen to... I don't listen to records this way much anymore either, you know? Like, I don't sit down and put on an album and just intentionally listen to songs and think about them, you know? Like, when I listened to this, I was listening to it very intentionally I wasn't doing other things I mean I was driving but I don't know that was really cool for me to to do that again and I love I love harmonies and na na na's in fucking punk rock songs that's that's really the I want to make sure that that's out there because I really love that hey my chlorindition saw nothing wrong (laughs) (laughs) you guys want to go to the porn house after this yeah play some lonely pinball Good morning, honey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, using sparrows for change. You I know think what I mean? we should maybe the next project <clears throat> should be we should just re-record this album. Oh, I was. Pro- I think you guys were gonna do an acapella do song. A cover Did you with plan Mist? that? Oh yeah, God, no! no. <laughs> oh, God damn it! I really want you guys to do that. This was a lot of fun. Thank yeah, you very I much. Really, I love that you wanted to share this with me, and I hope you have other things that we can talk about 
Well, I'm glad I changed your life. This is a lot. Well, I didn't say that, but um, it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I think it was implied. I uh, I can't wait to see the picture of your mohawk. <laughs> oh my god, do you remember Micah's mohawk? I'm sorry, we shouldn't oh, talk about inside we're not jokes talking about on our podcast, <laughs> but like. I, if I can find a picture of it, we nope. will tweet it or post <laughs> it in our Facebook group. That's because, not going to happen. Oh, man. It was fantastic. Deleting all of this. The funny thing is I was super into it at the time. And when I saw pictures of it later, I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. You looked so bad. In my defense, I just want to say that I believe Eric helped me cut it. And Jen oh. probably helped me cut it. Uh, Micah, I had a mohawk for about one afternoon. Before I didn't like everyone staring at it, so I just cut it off. So Micah won that one. He just had more. Yeah, resolve. he stuck with it. Stupidly he stuck with it. Yeah, I I definitely encouraged it. I mean, I do blame myself a little bit, but um, wow. Okay, so wrapping this up. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Love you guys for coming on our podcast. I love you too. Yeah, this was great. I was really excited when you said you wanted to do this. Uh, that is it for an outcome, the wolves. And I never saw that for this week. As always, thank you to all of our listeners and supporters. We really, really do appreciate all the reviews and ratings on iTunes, um, and the donations on Patreon. It really means a lot to us. Please continue sharing. I never saw that with your friends and anyone you think might enjoy it. Join our Facebook group. You can find links to everything on. I never saw that.com. Also speaking of Patreon, thanks to our newest supporters marina and sean and if you would like to join these generous beautiful people and receive rewards for doing so please check out our patreon page we're at patreon.com slash i never saw that podcast and of course thank you again eric for joining us um, and sharing this with us and being our first guest hopefully you'll come back if this wasn't too painful for you uh, next week, we will be going back to my so-called life for the last a big chunk of episodes. We're going to do the finale by itself, but we'll do oh, three so more. Intense. I never saw that episodes about my so-called life episodes. Right. Uh, we'd like to thank Minus Violet for our theme music. Thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thanks to Fifi Folios for all of our internets. Until next time. See you in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you.